Good morning. My husband Kent and I represent over five decades of advocating for the sanctity of life. We've worked with many of the giants called to bring this message. And if you've ever wanted to see the spiritual forces of evil at work trying to thwart God's message and his purpose, work in the sanctity of life. Abortion disproportionately targets African Americans. Angela Minter knows the pain personally. But through Jesus, she has chosen to turn that pain into promise. With passion, courage, perseverance, and against tremendous pressure from her own community, she has founded Sisters for Life, a nonprofit ministry whose mission is to awaken, train, and mobilize the African-American church to end abortion. Sisters for Life brings the message of the gospel, the importance of marriage and family, and the sanctity of human life to young mothers, fathers, and their unborn children, starting on the streets of Louisville to now across the country and into the halls of power. Basketball has Michael Jordan. Football has Tom Brady. Unborn children have Angela Minter. It is with honor and affection that Kent and I introduce our colleague, our hero, friend, and sister for life, Angela Minter. Hey, everybody, this is Daniel. I am so sorry I could not attend tonight's gala in person, but I want to take a moment to personally thank you, Angela and Sisters for Life, for your years of dedication to pro-life causes in the Commonwealth, and most recently, the support you have shown our office as we went to the United States Supreme Court to fight for our ability to defend one of Kentucky's pro-life laws. For years, you all have been fighting valiantly to defend life and to support mothers and fathers as they go through the most difficult moments of their life. Because of you and the support of many in this room, over 800 babies, mothers and fathers, have been helped by Sisters for Life. Thank you for your dedication and for your ministry. Angela and the entire team at Sisters for Life were instrumental in passing House Bill 454 in 2018, a bill that bans the gruesome live dismemberment abortion procedure in the Commonwealth. Though it was immediately challenged in court and has faced three years of court battles, your support has never wavered. When we took office and began defending the law before the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, you all stood beside us at the courthouse in Cincinnati. When we received word that our case would be heard before the United States Supreme Court, you stood with us in celebration on the steps of the Capitol in Frankfurt. And last month, when we argued for our ability to defend House Bill 454 before our nation's highest court, Angela, you traveled all the way to Washington, D.C. to pray with us and to show your support. On your website, you have Proverbs 31.8 written, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Ensure justice for those being crushed. With every action you take as an organization, you are truly speaking for the vulnerable, the unborn, who cannot speak for themselves. I cannot emphasize enough how much we value your support 
and appreciate your dedication to the important pro-life issues we are facing here in the Commonwealth. May God continue to bless your work. When women walk up to the abortion meal, some of them genuinely are afraid. They're terrified. They do feel overwhelmed. But then there are others that have just simply hardened their heart. They are determined to have that abortion and they don't want to hear anything you have to say. And so we really have to be empathic listeners and enter into their world to really try to see what they are dealing with. The mission of Sisters for Life is to act as an advocate for the preborn babies and their mothers and fathers that find themselves faced with a crisis or unplanned pregnancy. We do sidewalk counseling Tuesday through Saturday, um, and we make sure that women and men that come into that abortion meal at the EMW understand that they do uh, have another choice available to them, and that the Lord loves them, and that He's got a plan and a purpose uh, for their life and for their baby's life, and that there's much help available. But in addition to that, we are called by God to advocate for godly family values. We believe that God had it right when He said marriage is between a man and a woman, and uh, that parents are to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so our goal with Sisters for Life is to make sure that we do our part in seeing that families are able to carry out that eternal plan. We are called to carry out our mission by raising the awareness of the effect that abortion is having uh, on the community as a whole, on the country as a whole, um, but the African-American community in particular. And so one of the ways that we do that is through our weekly radio broadcast. Uh, when you think of the uh, over 3,000 babies that are killed uh, every day, every day uh, through abortion on the altar of choice and, and inconvenience and how many people that are uh, not talking about that particular issue and have no idea that that's even happening. Um, so we have a responsibility to share that information. The African American community is being ravaged by abortion and people aren't talking about it. We are being that voice. You know, somebody's got to say, you know, the truth of God's word has not changed. Uh, laws have changed, but the truth of God's word has not changed. God has raised up Sisters for Life as the only organized black pro-life organization in the Commonwealth of Kentucky to be a voice, to speak up for the pre-born babies, to speak up for the mothers and the fathers, but to also speak up for the black community and to say, we need to stop killing our babies. We have to stop killing our babies. Sisters for Life exists because God has called us to this work. He wants us to let these mothers know that He loves them. He loves their babies. That's why He gave His Son, Jesus. And we believe that as we help them, the mothers and their babies, we will see the glory of God manifest in this earth. You see my phone? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We will see the glory of God manifested in this earth. I was asking them, where's my phone? Well, here's my phone right here. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure I'm the only person that ever does that. Have you ever been on the phone and you're like, where's my phone? Where is my phone? Like, I'm on my phone. Praise God. <laughs> well, I'm so blessed to be here, and um, I just want to thank 
Pastor Pearson for the opportunity to be here, he and the First Lady. I'm just so grateful for the opportunity. Uh, God is so faithful. Uh, the doors God's open, no man can shut, right? And so we thank God for this open door. About some other things up here this time, because I'm hoping that I will um, get an opportunity to share that. Um, one of the things that I want to do before I start is just to, just to pray. Uh, Father, we just want to thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you, Lord God, for being in our midst. Uh, you said we're two or more are gathered in your name. You're right in the midst of us. And we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way. As I open up my mouth, you fill it with exactly what you would have me to say. And Father, we thank you that you are causing everyone in here to be ministered to in exactly the way we need to be ministered to in the name of Jesus Christ. And we just receive revelation. We receive impartation and demonstration of your spirit and power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you the glory and the praise and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So uh, I thank God for uh, my friends. Uh, Joyce and Kent, and you know, I've used them so many times over so many times over the years because with the Family Foundation, even though Kent is retired, they're retired now. Um, I still I still look to them, and if I got to go back to some old newspapers and so forth for information, I just refer right back to it. So I just thank God for them and and all that they are continuing to do in the Commonwealth. But also, I heard not only the Commonwealth but around the country helping others get into good people get into office and just using your influence. So we thank you for that. Uh, I'm so excited to have this opportunity to be with you today. Uh, one of the things I want to share, but I just, you know, I just cannot skip this particular thing. When I'm looking at those videos, I said this in the morning service, and I'm just saying it again, the, the women will be able to appreciate this. I'm absolutely amazed at how many different hairdos I had in those videos. I'm thinking, and even this picture right here, you know, and I, and I'm thinking, I've gone short. But when I look at that picture, I said, you know what, I'm going to grow my hair out again. You know, you know how we are, women. One minute we want it short, the next minute we want it long. But I was like, you know what, I went through a lot of different things in those videos. But th and this morning I said, you know, during COVID, you know, hey, some people, I don't know if you were one of them, but some people began to wear wigs and things like that because you couldn't get out and get your hair done, right? Somebody might be thinking, I thought it was the sancti sanctity of life Sunday. She's supposed to be talking about sanctity of life. I am, sanctity of my life. And so, <laughs> okay. So, but anyway, you know, people were wearing wigs and things like that. And you're not supposed to call them wigs. You're supposed to call them units. You know, they're not wigs anymore. They're, they're units. Did everybody know that? I discovered that as I started wearing the wigs. And so the younger millennials said, no, they're units. Um, but I said this morning, you know, I didn't have any units on in any of those pictures. But actually, I did. I had a unit on when I was in Cincinnati with the Attorney General Cameron. I did have a unit on. Anyway, I just thought y'all might. <laughs> I just wanted to clear that up for the people that I told I didn't have a unit on. I won't be lying in the house of God. But uh, hallelujah. You know, I, I just thank God for Dr. Martin Luther King. I love Dr. Martin Luther King, and we just celebrated his birthday, right? So it's befitting to share one of his quotes. And one of his, my favorite quotes is that he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. Our lives begin to end the day we become silent about the things that matter. And I thank Pastor Pearson. I thank this church, the Church of the Savior. I thank you all for not being silent about the things that matter. I thank you for giving me the opportunity to come here and not be silent about the things that matter. The things such as the sanctity of the human life, the sanctity of every human life, and especially the preborn babies. 
You know, there, there is a, uh, there is a, a scripture in, the, in, in Proverbs. There's a scripture in Proverbs, and it says that we are to... Now, Proverbs 30, Proverbs 31, actually. Anybody familiar with Proverbs 31? Proverbs 31, it talks about the virtuous woman, right? All right, I'm not going there today, women, okay? We're virtuous in Jesus' name, but that's not the point that I want to I focus in on. I want to focus in on Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9. Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9, and as Daniel, uh, as Attorney General Cameron uh, said, um, you know, and sometimes I, sometimes I call him Daniel because, hey, we intercede for him. You know, I'm texting back and forth. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for Mackenzie. I'm praying for their family. So no disrespect intended. But, you know, he said on our website is Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9. And that's our foundational scripture because it says, open up your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open up your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and the needy. Who more poor and needy than the preborn babies? But not only that, in our Declaration of Independence, it said, in our Declaration of Independence, it says, we have been endowed with these inalienable rights, that being life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, God said, let my word be confirmed by two or more witnesses, right? Well, you know, in Psalms 139, what does God say? You were fearfully and wonderfully made. When you, were, when you were hidden in secret, you were woven in your mother's womb. We were knit together. He was knitting us together. Anybody that doesn't believe that the, value, the preborn baby is alive before it comes outside the womb, all you have to do is look to the scripture, right? You don't even have to just look to the scripture. There are biologists that confirm that. But then God also tells us in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, he says, I said before you life, and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. That's the word of God. How many more witnesses do we need? Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before you in your mother's womb, I called you to be a prophet unto the nations. God had a plan for Jeremiah's uh, life even before he was in his mother's womb. Guess what? He's got a plan for every life, including ours. I'm standing before you today as a part of God's plan and purpose for my life. I'm standing before you because God says, listen, this is what I've called you to do. Open up your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Not only the preborn babies, but the sanctity of the family. Not only for the sanctity of the family, but also just for the community, for the church. I want you to cry loud and spare not. That's part of my assignment. And it's part of your assignment. You may be thinking, wow, that's powerful. Proverbs 31, and God's called her to that. But guess what? If you're in the body of Christ, God's called you to that as well. You know, some of the things that I didn't get to in the, in the first service, I, I'm believing God, Holy Spirit willing, that if the Holy Spirit takes me that way, I'll get to in this service. Because the, the thing that I didn't get to is, you know, the question of now what? And as I share my story and I share my testimony, I share some of these statistics, then we're going to come to the point where God asked me and he told me to ask you, now what? Have you ever heard the, uh, have you ever heard the, the question where Isaiah uh, says, begins to, him, begins to say to himself, he doesn't, this is not a question, but he begins to say, Lord, here am I, send me. You know, anybody ever read that? Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. When I was working in corporate America before God called me to this work, then I used to, I, I used to run a, 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 prayer, a prayer meeting. We used to have prayer uh, before we would go into our, our meetings, sales meetings and things like that, corporate meetings. And I was leading the prayer meetings. And one of the, my favorite things to say, because I've read, you know, just God is so amazing. He's so good to you. 
And I was reading when Isaiah said that, and I just began, that just bore witness with my spirit. And I began to say, Lord, here am I, send me. I never dreamed God would send me to an abortion sidewalk to do sidewalk counseling. But when you say, God, here am I, send me, you don't know where God might send you. God is asking for us to say, here am I, send me, Lord. Why would God tell him, why would God give me that Proverbs 31 and 8? Why would he call me to this work? I want to share some statistics with you. Some of the statistics that I want to share are just very alarming. And some of them I didn't get to uh, earlier. And I know that I'll get to all of them now. But one of them is, and you understand this, you've heard these numbers. Especially on the news, we're hearing these numbers more and more about abortion and the abortion case and the Mississippi, Mississippi case, Dobbs uh, and Jackson case is uh, now before the Supreme Court. And we're hearing about abortion more and more. And today we're thinking about Sanctity of Life Sunday, and we're thinking about how 63 million babies that we know of have been killed on the altar of choice and inconvenience in this country on our watch. The shedding of innocent blood, 63 million babies. Two of which were my babies. I give honor what honors do. I honor your pastor. I honor his wife. I honor the, 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 uh, the leaders here. I give honor to God. I give God all praise, honor, and glory for giving me an opportunity to be a vessel for sending me. But I also need to give honor to my children. My children that I'll talk more about in a moment, but I'm honoring them today by standing here before you. They were a part of the 63 million babies aborted since the legalization of Roe v. Wade in 1973. 49 years, 49 years of killing got what God calls his reward. Nearly four generations of abortions. In 2019, 629,898 induced abortions were reported to the Center for Disease Control. One out of four women will have an abortion by the age of 45. And 50% will be like me, repeat abortions. There's a breakthrough, there's a breakthrough conversation that's happening to help us end all this. But one out of four women sitting in the pews every Sunday is post-aborted. I was sitting in those pews suffering in silence. 27% of the women having an abortion identified themselves as Catholic. 43% identified themselves as Protestant. You're talking about Bible believers going to an abortion mill for help. Listen to the effects of abortion on the black community. And, but before I get into that, I, I wanted to share this, and I didn't share this earlier, but this is very important. There was a nationwide consumer research, uh, consumer research conducted by the National Organization of Support After Abortion, and they discovered that up to 44% of the women that they talked to that said that they would get help after an abortion if they knew where to go. 44% of women that have had abortions said they would get help if they knew where to go. Over 80% of the women asked, how important is anonymity to you? 80% said, very important or important. 
When asked, how often do you, do you attend church? 80% said barely or never. When asked, when asked if you went to a program that we offered for help, would you want a faith-based program or a non-faith-based program? They said non-faith-based program. There's another statistic that I wanted to, to get to, and I'm going to just take a minute to see if I can pick up on that. But what we're seeing here is that people aren't wanting to come to the church for help or don't know that they can come to the church for help. Here's a Gallup poll. A Gallup poll 2019 reported 55% of millennials and Gen Z define abortion as morally acceptable. 55% of millennials and Gen Z find abortion morally acceptable. Um, a gigantic leap from a Gallup poll in 2009, okay, 45%, 45%, uh, the Borna group reports only 25% of Americans attend church once a month, down from 50%. And when I said that gigantic leap, because in 2009, 45% thought it was morally acceptable to have an abortion. Now that is up. In 2019, it went up to 55%. I thought that was important to note. One of the things I shared in the first service was that there's an uh, African tribe, uh, warrior tribe, called Maasai or Masu, but it's a warrior tribe. And the way that they greet one another, what they greet one another is, is very different than the way we greet one another. When we greet one another, we say, hi, how are you? How are you doing today? How are you doing today? Good morning. How are you, right? When they greet one another, they greet one another by saying, are all the children well? How are the children today? Are all the children well? How are the children today? That speaks to the value that they place on the next generation. Amen? They don't even say, how are you doing? No. First of all, how are the children? 63 million killed. And the effect that it's having on the black community, check these numbers out. Since the legalization of abortion, over 20 million black babies have been killed through abortion. Are all the children well? People from the first service knew what to do. That was the first time I said it was a rhetorical question. The second time, you're supposed to give me some feedback. Are all the children well? Okay. There we go. We're rolling. Okay. Sometimes when I share these numbers, I think, oh, should I take the time to do this? Yes, I should. Because let me tell you something. And Ken and I talked about this, you know, after the first service. The first people to really begin to speak out about the abortion issue was really the Catholic Church. They began to run to the front lines. They began to speak out. They led the way. And it's still leading the way on many levels. And then the Protestants, we began to evangelicals, began to get an awakening, get a revelation. So we began to speak out. But I'm going to tell you something. 
If we don't reach as the body of Christ, if the, if, the, if the body of Christ doesn't just reach the community as a whole and we don't reach the black community, we're not going to see an end to abortion. But we're going to reach the black community. We're reaching the black community. And in Jesus' name, we've seen an end to abortion. I'm speaking by faith. Anybody can declare that when it's all over, right? Anybody can declare I'm healed when they got the manifestation, right? But when Jesus says, you know what? I was wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquities. The chastisement needed for, me to, for you to walk in peace was laid upon me. And by, your, by my stripes, you're healed. You're like, okay, I, okay, but I don't feel anything. No, but you're healed in the name of Jesus. So let's walk it out by faith. God wants to use a physician or whomever. So be it. But I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Everything else has got to line up. Same thing with this, the issue of abortion. Yes, 20 million black babies have been killed on the altar of choice and inconvenience. According to the U.S. Census Bureau and the Center for Disease Control and Prevention Abortion Surveillance Report, black women make up 15% of the childbearing population in 2018, yet obtain 33.6% of the abortions. Are all the children well? Black women have the highest abortion ratio in the country, with 335 abortions per 1,000 live births. Are all the children well? The CDC, according to the CDC, it states that report, the report of abortion ethnicity in these particular states, it says when they're reporting these, for example, that the number is disproportionately higher for black women. For example, in Mississippi, 72% of the abortions obtained are obtained on black women. 72% of the abortions are obtained on black women in Mississippi. Oh, we're going to win that case. God has done that. Psalm 52.9, I'm standing on his promises. We're standing on his promises. In Washington, D.C., 55% of the abortions are performed on black women. In Detroit, Michigan, I was born in Detroit, Michigan. I lived there all of 30 days. <laughs> I was born, I was a city slicker. My, my siblings, they were born in Harlan County. My parents are from Harlan County, coal mining country. My dad moved to Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, to go to law school. And then he worked. He traveled from Louisville to Michigan to, to work. He was traveling back and forth. Isn't that interesting? Just, just back and forth, back and forth. And I happened to be born during that time. I got a heart for Michigan. We're not going to continue to allow Planned Parenthood and people like them to come into the communities and kill off our race. 62% of the abortions are done on black women in Michigan. And these, these numbers are in, Al in Alabama, 62% are done on black women. In Michigan, it's uh, 50%. But these numbers are very similar here in Louisville. Here in Louisville, where we do sidewalk counseling, Sisters for Life, we do sidewalk counseling there. When you saw that video, that's, that's an example of some of the work that we do. We take a holistic approach to this issue of abortion. Holistic approach to the issue of sanctity of life. You can't just tell a woman, don't pay money for your baby to be killed. Don't let that abortionist take the life of your baby and not provide help to her. So we're providing much help. We're counseling. We're mentoring. So many different things. Not just for the mother, but for the father as well. My husband, Parnell, he leads our organization, Brothers for Life. He's the executive director. And our children are involved as well. I'll talk to you about them in a moment even though they just moved, uh, almost, they tried to move uh, <laughs> Joyce and Ken out of their seats, but that's okay, they're here, hallelujah. But let me tell you something. We are, we are called to this work because of the fact that God would take your pain and he would use it for his gain. Anybody had any pain in here? 
Anybody experience any pain in your life? Every, every hand in here should be up. I'm going to say it again. Has anybody ever experienced any pain in your life? There we go. Of course, all of us have experienced pain. If we just talk about what, what we're dealing with, if we just talk about what somebody else is dealing with, maybe it didn't even affect you directly, but indirectly. Oh, we're experiencing pain. When you think about the fact that 63 million babies have been killed on the altar of choice and inconvenience and the church is not even the go-to place, oh, we're experiencing pain. But God's turning this thing around. Well, how did God call me to this work? God called me to this work because one day I was actually at a, I was actually at a Right to Life rally in Frankfurt, uh, Joyce and Ken, at a Right to Life rally there. Only the, re- the only reason I was there, only reason... I put on my Speedy Gonzalez words now because I got like nine minutes. Hallelujah, praise God. Pastor may give me some extra minutes today. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. He doesn't know what he just said. But anyway, (laughs) he said, go for it. Hallelujah. But let me tell you something. I was in Frankfurt at a rally, minding my business, just supporting my pastor, uh, just like, you know, you would support your pastor, just supporting him. And he said, does anyone have any uh, opportunity, any time to go to a rally in Frankfurt? I went to that rally and it changed my life. I went to that rally, minding my business. And God opened up my eyes and dealt with me about something that my husband, Parnell, and I, Never even talked about anymore. And we were not just husband and wife, but best friends. I went to that rally and God spoke to me and said, you have had those abortions and you have not repented. You have not asked me for forgiveness. Now, I don't know if that was an audible voice or not, but it sure seemed like it. Because it arrested me in that, in that, um, in that ca- uh, Capitol building. That Capitol building where I used to go to with my dad when I was a teen, when I was a, not even a teenager, a young girl. I used to be a page because my dad was a state representative uh, for many years. And so I used to go there as a page. I used to love to go and, and, and spend time there. That very place where the laws are being passed. And I went there and that particular day, God arrested me and said, you have not repented for those abortions that you had done. Now, I had, I had those abortions when I was a teenager. My husband, Parnell, and I, we've been together since I was uh, 15 years old. And he was 17 years old. He's my high school sweetheart. Now, I know this is serious business, but I got to tell this story. It took him a year to even notice me. I'm talking about we were in high school together, and I just, I mean, I basically was stalking him. His, 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 I knew where his locker was. I knew what time he went to lunch. I knew what time he got finished with gym class. He had six-period gym. He said he could get ready in three minutes and make it to the bus, take a shower and everything. I was stalking him. I stalked him the entire ninth grade. I, when I saw him, I said, he is the man in my dreams. He never looked my way. All of a sudden, one day, he sees me in the park, and all of a sudden, he gets an epiphany. She's a beautiful young girl. And we've been together ever since. But we fell in love, but we were committing sin. The devil got in there, and we began to have sex without being married. And so the first thing we did, we got pregnant, and we had two abortions right after one another. That's how God's able to call me to this work. God's taking my pain. I still have the pain of regret, but I stand before you forgiven and set free. It's washing the blood. God's cast it into the sea of forgiveness. 
The only reason why he lets me share it is because he said we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony to set somebody else free. When you've been delivered, go deliver your brethren. Let people know whatever you've done. Let God use it wherever you've missed it. Don't get into condemnation. Repent. Ask God to forgive you from the heart. And God will forgive you. Then he'll use it. Say, God, here am I. Send me. Use it. Take my mess and let it be a message to people. To heal the land. We had those abortions. And we were getting ready to have a, yet a third abortion. I was pregnant for the third time. When you don't get a revelation, when you don't get your thinking changed, guess what? Your actions aren't going to be changed. As the mind goes, so goes the body. That's why it's so important, the word that's being preached here. You're getting transformed by the renewing of your mind. My mind had not been removed, renewed. So if I'm going to have a baby, if I'm going to kill a baby one time with abortion or pay somebody to do it, why, what would stop me from doing it a second time and a third time? 50% of the women that have abortions have had they will have more than one. One out of four women are going to have at least one abortion by the time she's 45 years old. And in the black community, it's even worse. We're five times as likely to have an abortion. Why? Because the evil people like Planned Parenthood, that evil organization, is targeting our race. They had a project called the Negro Project. And guess what they did? They went to the church. And they went to leaders in the church. Murray McLeod Bethune, one of them. I think it's Booker T. Washington was the other. Is that correct? W.E.B. Du Bois. My apologies, Booker T. Washington. Don't want to put that on you. But, the, but, but, but Margaret Sanger went to them and began to talk to them about, hey, this is a way to get out of poverty, to make sure that your race uh, can get out of poverty, and to really have population control is what she did. My father was one of 17 children. We didn't used to kill our babies. But you had that problem. They came into our community and went into the church and began to tell the church, this is, this is what you need to do to help get out of poverty, strengthen your race. But it has fractured our community. And it has fractured the church. Not just the black community, but every community. But it's fractured the church as well. But guess what? Just like they went into, they had this diabolical, I mean diabolical, I mean the work of Planned Parenthood is insidious and pernicious as the slave master. Going into the communities like they are and presenting themselves as health care. And then going into the church and getting church leaders to endorse it to their parishioners. But just like they went into the church, that's what we're doing. Sisters for Life, we're in the churches. That's why we're here. God said, go into the church. We're turning, their, we're turning their strategy up on their back. We're using it against them. The very strategy that they continue to try to use, we're going in and we're saying, listen, God's got a plan and a purpose for every life. Every life has value. And there's much help available. God's not going to tell us to give life to our babies and not provide help. And the church is the one to help. And Sisters for Life is a part of the body of Christ. And we're going in and we're offering help. We're going in and we're telling our story. And I'm going to tell you something. You can't refute the truth. You can't push back on the truth. You can try. But as Winston Churchill said, the truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it. 
Hatred may deride it, but in the end, there it is. It's still the truth. But it's the truth that you know that will set you free. So we're going into the church and letting them know the truth. Jesus said, it's the truth will set you free. I get kind of fired up, don't I? (laughs) When we think about the fact that God says, okay, you had those abortions. Now I want you to repent, ask me for forgiveness. And when you do that, I've got a purpose for you. And that's that Proverbs 31, verse 8 and 9. Now, when I was getting ready, Parnell and I were getting ready to have that third abortion, my father found out, and he called me in my dorm room and said, Angie, I understand you're pregnant. Don't kill your baby. I understand you're pregnant. Don't kill your baby. Here he was, one of the, he boasted of being one of the most liberal legislators there are in Frankfurt. Can't you, your newsletter would probably say, don't vote for Attorney Aubrey Williams. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey, if I had any sense, you know, back then I was in college, you know, so if I was, you know, when I'm voting and I knew what I know now, you know, I would have had to abstain and not vote, you know, I wouldn't vote against them. I'm not crazy. I need my college paid for. (laughs) But I would have been like, you know, I can't vote for him. I wouldn't campaign against him. I mean, for years I campaigned against him, but I'm going to tell you something, though. He boasted that for the first time he voted Republican in the governor's election with Matt Bevin. It was so powerful. He was like, can you believe I voted Republican? I was like, yes, I can believe it. I've been praying for you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I didn't tell him that because that had been a whole nother conversation. Now, I'm telling y'all that. <laughs> okay? But I have been praying for him. And he's changing. He's realizing. He's fighting. Here I am having those abortions. And all of a sudden, I'm getting ready to have a third one. God uses my father to say, don't kill your baby. And then he says, uh, where is Parnell? What does he think about you in this pregnancy? Have you heard the line? Have you ever heard the saying, throw somebody under the bus? Anybody ever done that? I threw him under the bus so fast to make your head spin. We didn't have iPhone back then, you know, Steve Jobs, hey, he was adopted. It's something to be said. You don't have to pay money for your baby to be killed. We can place our babies for adoption. We need to promote that. But here's the thing. We didn't have iPhones, but my phone was right in my dorm room, right on the wall, right there. I opened up that door. I threw him under the bus. I said, hey, my daddy wants to speak to you. (laughs) He got on that phone and he says, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is back when the young people really said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Whenever Angie wants to, he threw me under the bus. (laughs) Then he said, put Angie on the phone. I got back on the phone, and I said it before. I've said it so many times. My father had our life worked out and figured out so quick, it would make your head spin. He said, you need to move off that campus. You all need to find an apartment. You need to get, you need to get married before anybody finds out you're pregnant. Well, hello. I'm telling the world I'm pregnant. I'm telling the world I was pregnant before I was, before I was married. But guess what? I'd rather be pregnant before I'm married and give my baby the gift of life than kill my baby because of what people think. I've been delivered from what people think because of the blood of Jesus. There is a better way. And now we're preaching and teaching our young people, you don't have to go that route. But if you do, don't sacrifice your baby because that baby in the womb is a gift. It's a gift from God to you. And God says it's unlawful. It's legal, but it's unlawful in God's eyes to kill our babies. And I'm telling you, that baby that I was pregnant with, Parnell and I got married on December the 21st. 
One month later, January 17, 1986, our baby, we gave birth to a beautiful baby girl. Her name is Ryan Whitney Minter, and there she is right there. Stand up, Ryan. Doesn't she look like a baby to you? <laughs> she is doing sidewalk counseling. You saw her in the video. She does sidewalk counseling with us. She's being used of God to save babies. My husband, Parnell, have I had you to stand up yet, honey? Stand up, honey. <sighs> there you go. My handsome husband. How many of you know when you, stop killing your, when you stop killing your babies, guess what? You get a revelation and you stop allowing the abortionists to kill your babies. We're not killing our babies. We're allowing those abortionists to deceive us into killing our babies. And Planned Parenthood praying on us in our circumstances and talking us into killing our babies. But when you get a revelation and you stop, guess what? This is, this is the fruit of your prayers. Have you been praying for women to, to get a revelation of who they are? Get a revelation of the sanctity of life? Guess what? I'm the test. I'm the fruit of your prayers. Ryan's the fruit of your prayers. But when you stop doing that, then you can go on and continue to have the babies that God has for you. And so then God had us to have two more children. We have two babies in heaven. We have Summer's Justice and we have Judah Star. Summer's Justice and Judah Star. And we say like David, they will not come back to us. One day, Parnell and I, we will go to them. We honor you, Judah Star, and Summer's Justice. But God, in his faithfulness, when you get a revelation, you stop, you stop allowing the enemy to take the life of your babies, and you can have other children. So we have two amazing sons, one that's in California and one that's here today, Isaiah Mentor. Isaiah, stand up, honey. Thank you, Jesus. Our whole ministry was birthed. My whole purpose. I mean, I literally could go be with the Lord if I did not do this work. What would be the reason to still be in the earth? If you don't carry out this plan and the purpose God has for your life. There's no other reason. We were created for his good pleasure. We've been bought with the price, the precious blood of Jesus. And so there's so much the ministry does. But one of the things that the ministry is doing. Is we are letting mothers know. We're letting women like me know. Fathers know that there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. Jesus said, in, I think it was in John 8, he said, who condemns you? And I heard a preacher say, everybody had to drop the rocks. Who condemns you? And she's, she's no one. Everybody's, everybody's gone. You know, you, know, you can't. If you cannot point your finger. How are you going to condemn her? But then he didn't leave it there. So he's letting her know your sins are forgiven, but go and sin no more. In other words, I got a different way of life for you. I got a better plan, a better purpose. And so one of the things that we want to make sure that women know and men know and families know that there is forgiveness. 
If you have not asked for forgiveness, then you need to ask for forgiveness and ask God and repent. Repent for your heart and ask God to forgive you. If you have had an abortion or you know someone who's had an abortion, you let them know. Get that straight with God because God says when you confess your sins, I'm faithful. I'm faithful and I'm just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of every bit of that unrighteousness. And then the enemy can't condemn you and point the finger to you and bring shame and guilt and depression. So much that I went through. Suicidal thoughts, attempts of suicide. So much that I went through. He can't continue to go there with you. And then you can boldly come forth and say, listen, this is not something that I'm proud of. This is something that I still have the pain of regret of, but I've been delivered and set free so I can be a vessel for God's use. And that's what he has for all of us. So part of our assignment is to make sure that women and mothers and fathers know there is support after abortion. We do sidewalk counseling in the morning when the women go in, but we also do sidewalk counseling when the women come out. That's Jesus, right? That's the love of Christ. Let these women know, listen, let's get this straight. We want to help you. That's the one thing that I wanted to share that I didn't share this morning. Because nine out of ten are saying they don't know where to go for help. And then others are saying if they wouldn't want to go to the church or have a church program. I'm telling you, we got to do something different. We got to make a change, and we are making a change. What's the answer? What's the answer, Angela? Well, the answer that I, that I can give you in this, this, this closing time, the answer that I can give you is, first of all, what you're doing today. Talking about the issue. Talking about this issue and not being silent. The other answer, and it's a critical answer, it's one of the most powerful answers. But understand this, before I even get to that, you know, there's a culture war going on, and one of my friends, Mike Victor, and I wanted to quote something out of his book, but I don't have, I, I don't have time to, but I will encourage you to get his book. It's Viability 2.0, Mike Victor, and he's the president of Indiana Right to Life, and I serve on one of his boards. And, um, but that book is amazing. But one of the things he talks about is that we're at a cultural tipping point. I'm sure, I'm sure Ken and, and John would have, Joyce would agree to this. We're at a cultural tipping point right now. And that's why people like Planned Parenthood are going and they're trying to get everybody they can to change the culture and speak the, and, and say that the things that are evil are good. And they're getting actors and actresses and, and musicians and everybody to talk about these things to try to act like this issue of abortion is okay. It's a cultural tipping point that we're in. But God is saying to us, the body of Christ, this is the most key thing. I want you to pray and pray like you believe it. Pray and pray like you believe it. I said, if my people who are called by my name would repent and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will heal the land. That's God's promise to us, the believer. He said, I, he, said he looked to see if there's one that was standing the gap. Standing the gap until there is no more gap. When we go to that abortion mill sidewalk, we're going there believing that every woman that goes in, if she goes in, that she comes out. We pray for Holy Ghost obstacles when they go into that abortion mill. And guess what? They'll have Holy Ghost obstacles. God changes their heart and changes their mind. God says the tipping point is the culture, the culture situation. If we pray and say, God, we thank you for a culture of life and no longer a culture of death. We believe that, God. God, you gave us a promise. You said if when you come to me, if you pray anything according to my word, you know that I hear you. And if you know I hear you, you know you have the petition that you've prayed. 
Isn't there a confidence in there, a boldness in that? There's a confidence in there. That's 1 John, 1, 1 John 5, verse 14 and 15. This is the confidence. Pray like we believe it. Mike talks about this in his book, Pray Like You Believe It. He also talks about that cultural tipping point. I'm declaring to you that, you know, one of the things that Sisters for Life is called to do, awaken, train, and mobilize the church as a whole, but the historically black church in particular, to end abortion in our communities, but to see a Christ-centered, a kingdom-first, Christ-centered culture change. Anybody believe in God for a kingdom-first, Christ-centered culture change? Do we believe that the creator of the universe can use us in that? He used Peter and John to heal the man at the gate of beautiful, and he put more power on them so they could continue to do the work and boldly speak. And guess what? They saw the change. I want to let you know something today. The most powerful thing we can do, the most powerful thing we can do is to pray and to fast. Pray like we believe it. Pray like God actually hears us. Pray that the creator of the universe hears and answers our prayers. And the same God that overturned slavery is the same God that has overturned Roe versus Wade. Do you believe that today? I said the same God that overturned slavery. He's no respecter of person. The same God that overturned Roe, uh, 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 Dred Scott case and slavery. It was a Supreme Court decision, seven to two decision, seven to two decision that said, you know what, Dred Scott, black folk are not human beings. It's a property issue. It was a human life issue. Dred Scott, you're not a human being. You're the property of the slave master. And that slave master could do one of three things. He could kill you, sell you, or keep you. And it said the highest court in the land has spoken. Slavery is legal. But guess what? How many of us know? Highest court in the land is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. God turned the hearts of those Supreme Court justices. It took a bloody civil war to do it, but he turned it around. And just like that, Roe versus Wade, seven to two decision. The baby's the property of the mother. The mother could have the baby, place the baby for adoption, or let an abortionist kill the baby. But in this summer, when the decision comes down, the Mississippi case comes down, we're going to hear those Supreme Court justices say, you know what? No more. Roe versus Wade is overturned. And the highest court of the land, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, is changing the hearts right now in Jesus' name. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. Thank you. Has the Lord helped us today? As we have a time of reflection and response, I'm going to ask the worship team to come out. And I'm going to ask you to come to the altar and let's pray. We are at a tipping point. And prayers and sacrifice and getting involved make a difference. So during these next moments, would you just come and join us? Let's pray. Let's ask forgiveness for what we've done to innocent lives and we've done to people. Let's ask the Lord to make a difference. Let's ask the Lord to give us leaders who will stand for life. The gap is wide open and he's looking for people who will stand in the gap. And you can stand in the gap for a family. You can bring in someone who's hurting and needs to make the right decision and you can help that young person make the right decision. So would you come to the altar during these last moments? 
Get on your knees and let's cry out to to the Lord of heaven and ask for God's mercy. Maybe you've been scarred by this. You've, You've never told anyone. And you've got so much pain and guilt and shame. Why don't you put it in the hand of the Lord Jesus today and let him forgive you and let him cleanse you and let him heal you. And your mess can be a message that helps hundreds and hundreds of people. So come to the altar, would you? Come to the altar now. Come to the altar. Let's ask the Lord's mercy on our land. Come to the altar. Find a place. And if there's no place, there will be room. But come find a place. And let's ask the Lord to help this country and help the innocent. Help the people that are trapped. And that Lord would mobilize the body of Christ and bring unity to our city, our state, and our nation. Heavenly Father, we ask for your mercy for this land. We ask, Lord, for spirit of repentance to come to your people, the body of Christ, the church. Across this land, we pray that you'd raise up more voices who would cry out for for biblical justice to protect those that are vulnerable. And Lord, we just pray that you'd move in our land, our state, our city. Lord, we pray for a new generation of warriors to come to find their place where the wall is down and to make a difference one life at a time. Lord, raise up a spirit of prayer and Lord, give us wisdom. Give us wisdom and how to fight your battles. Build your church, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we kneel before you, open the windows of heaven and release your grace even today. Thank you for sisters for life, and we pray, Father, that you would propel this ministry forward. We ask, Lord, for resources and allies. We ask for favor, Lord. We pray that you'd use this ministry, Parnell and Angela, to build bridges, Lord. Build bridges. Bring an awakening, Lord, that we would see what is sinful and dark and debilitating and we'd walk away from it. Release your power, Lord. Release your power. And Lord, for those that have been scarred, those that are broken, those that are wounded, and they cry out for forgiveness, Lord, release it. Release it today. And thank you, Lord, that if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just. You're faithful all the time. And you are just, not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from 
all unrighteousness. Release your grace today, Lord. Release your grace today. And Father, there's people who are saying to you, here am I, send me. So Lord, as they ask, at the right time, open the door. Open the door, Lord. Show them the multitudes that are hurting and give us the courage to step into that gap. I don't deserve 
deserve it Still you give yourself away down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Come on, lift it up, church. There's no shadow you won't light up, you won't climb up coming after me there's no one you won't kick down right you won't tear down coming after me there's no shadow you won't light up mountain you won't climb up coming after me there's no Oh, the 
Brother Parnell, mentor, to come up and close our time in prayer. Parnell, will you come on up? Two things. I believe somebody, maybe a number of you, heard God's call this morning during this service. You heard it. It wasn't to your ear, but it was to your heart, but it's very clear. Tell him yes. Don't worry about the the fear and whether you can, you can't do it. Just tell him yes and, and do the next step, whatever that is. But you must fulfill your calling and your destiny, and everyone has one. The second thing is, if you're watching online or you're in this room and you're not surrendered to Jesus, you've never given your heart to him, do it right now. And, and there's some people ready to do that. Right now, right where you sit, just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of running. I surrender. That's right. Tell him, I surrender. I give you my life. I give you everything. I give you the mistakes, the mess, the pain, the disappointments, the fear. I just give it to you today. Lord, take my life. Make me your child. and Give me a home in heaven. and I will start the journey today, walking and obeying you and fulfilling your purpose for my life. Now, if you prayed that prayer, you got to tell somebody, call somebody, tell somebody in this room, get somebody to lay hands on you and pray for you. But you've got an important mission and you must fulfill it. Brother Parnell, Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved. The wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind. But now I see. Praise his holy name. Glorify his holy name. For Lord, you are so worthy to be praised. You are so worthy to be praised. Glory, glory, glory. 
glory, glory, glory. We thank you, Lord, for this day. For this is the day that you have made. And we will be glorified in it, Lord God. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this ministry. We thank you for this pastor. We glorify you, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for being in our midst where you say where two or more are gathered you are in our midst Lord God we thank you for the sanctity of life Lord God we thank you for the sanctity of life for life is precious Lord God it's a gift from you Lord God and we will go out and tell the world Lord God that you live that you live and someone will say well how do you know he lives he lives in our heart He's the air that we breathe. He's the eyes that we see. He is the breath that we take. And Father God, we praise you forevermore, Lord God. And we thank you and we praise your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Let us all say amen. 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 Give our, our brethren another round of encouragement. If you need prayer, there's people here to pray with you and to help you. Pick up your children, slip out quietly. People are still doing business with God. God bless you.